You are listening to the Enormo Cast. That rock that you lovingly caress every weekend is just never going to love you back. Of course, it's never going to suddenly ask you what you're thinking right now either. But devoting even a tenth of that energy into an actual human relationship might be a better bet in terms of love and companionship no matter what your alpinist friends say. Peter W. Gilroy is here to help. Climber and jewelry maker, Peter can hook you up with just the right gift for that human in your life who just smiles when you get home late from the crag or who says, no, you're still hot, when you're clearly chubby and out of shape and stink of failure, or who's still belaying you even though you're falling lower and lower on your proj. Inspired by the rocks we climb and the mountains we love, Peter's jewelry and accessories might be just the thing to convince your significant other that you're not an obsessive crazy person in love with inanimate objects. So go to peterwgilroy.com and enter Enormo at checkout for a discount on art you can wear and to help the EnormaCast. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? You, are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, a big place that side of town. That's a big nice. place. You sold also, it out. I'll see. You really should. The hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. I was afraid end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes and the fine folks at La Sportiva. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enormacast. This is your host, Chris Hulus. It is about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, an odd afternoon taping at the Enormacast. June 21st, this is episode 131 of the Enormacast, a conversation with Austrian climber Hans Org Auer. Yes, the Enormacast bagged another European climber. He was passing through rifle, and my friend Sam Elias got us together, talked Hans Org into doing it, and I think he had a good time after all. I try to make sure that happens. Nobody doesn't have fun on the show. And hopefully we'll have Sam on the Enormacast soon as well. But before we get to that, I want to remind you that the Royal We, along with his entourage, yes, I'm talking about myself in third person again, will be attending the International Climbers Festival up in Lander, Wyoming, July 12th to the 16th. Be our fifth or sixth year, 
I can't remember. It's starting to all run together. We always have a good time, a debaucherous time, often. Often there's very little climbing. But hopefully we'll make it up to the crag. I mean, it is a climber's festival, but you know what I like to say. Don't ruin a good climbing festival with trying to climb. Anyhow, if you see us up there, come hang out. Come say hi. Come drink a beer with us or with me. If you see me nursing a Bloody Mary at the Lander Bar, just approach quietly. Don't startle the enormous cast. Also, while you're over there at climbersfestival.org checking out what's going on, notice that there is an auction you can donate to and try to uh, get a day climbing with one of the athletes. And if you check out the list of athletes that are coming, it's quite stacked, including a certain Mr. Tommy Caldwell. And I believe he's bringing the family in tow. So that should be fun to see them up there as well. So again, the International Climbers Festival, 12th to the 16th up there in Lander, Wyoming. Come check it out. So let's talk about Hans Org Auer. Not really a household name here in the United States, although he has popped on our radar over here in Colorado because he was the first person to free climb the hallucinogen wall in the black, which is one of the hardest routes down there. In a lot of ways, the hardest route, if not at the grade, at least with heady climbing and whatnot. And he also got some notice here when 10 years ago, he free soloed a route on the Marmalada in the Dolomites, a route called the Fish or Il Pesce, 12C, just shy of 3,000 feet, probably 900 meters anyway, which was an incredibly audacious thing to do. He had actually only done the route one time before and not even freed it with a buddy a few years before, four or five years before. And then the day beforehand, he wrapped down, ticked a few holds, rehearsed some moves, and the next day got up and free sold the thing to where people talked about Maybe he was suicidal, maybe he was crazy, but it also basically made him famous overnight. And we talk a bit about that in the, uh, in the interview, but this is, of course, timely considering Alex Honnold's free solo of the Freerider just happened a couple weeks ago. This was actually taped before that, but if there's anybody in the world that gets close to understanding what Alex did up there, it's definitely Hansorg Auer. And Hansorg is downplayed comparing the two solos noting that the free solo El Cap puts you on the world stage and in some ways makes it kind of mentally more challenging. However, a lot of people who know about the details of the fish solo, El Peche, definitely put it in something of the same category. And it's a shame it wasn't really noticed here in the States. Hans Orgauer is the kind of climber that we really should be paying attention to. But you know, those Euros get away with stuff we hardly even know about over here in the States. So I felt really lucky to catch him here in Rifle because I've always admired him. And I'm hoping that you guys walk away from this with an interest and a respect for this guy as well. And since I know he's talked about Il Peche ad nauseum in the last 10 years, we talk about a whole lot more. And it turns out that Hansorg is actually one of the best all-around climbers in the world. So enjoy another charmingly accented Enormacast with Hansorg Auer. La Sportiva is a proud sponsor of the Enormacast, and though they could rest on their laurels, keep tossing mirrors at my thick skull, and watch me stroke them like one of Lenny's doomed rabbits, La Sportiva has in fact dropped several innovations on us for the summer. Behold the Kataki, a lace-up version of the laser-guided Otaki, in case you need to squeeze more blood out of your toes to hit that jib. And the venerable Mythos has been updated to the Mythos Eco, a shoe made from 95% recycled materials and clean processing. And the Maverink, a fun, customizable shoe for kids, designed for a more comfortable, less restrictive fit on growing feet. Just a thing to convince them they love climbing before video games steal their souls and they never want to step outside again. 
So head to Sportiva.com or your local climbing retailer to check out all of Sportiva's new goods. And remember, when you support Sportiva, you support the Enormacast. I want to ask you about the Black Canyon because the people who listen to this show and people who know me, that's a really special place to me. Living just a couple hours from the from the North Rim and, and uh, haven't climbed there for a really long time. I don't usually see it on the radar of mm-hmm. European climbers necessarily. So how did you hook yourself into climbing in the black and then then inspired you to uh, try to free and successfully free the hallucinogen? Yeah, it was a... Uh... It was in 2011 when a friend of mine, Ben Vepesan, he lived in Innsbruck, or he's still living in Innsbruck. He just just asked me about about climbing in the black. If I want to join him climbing in the Black Canyon, and at that time I I didn't know much about it, so I just like said to him, "Yes, what well, we should go, no?" Mm-hmm. And and for the first time when I arrived on the North Rim, you know. It was just like this kind of place where I felt at ease, you know. I like places for climbing, not crowded, like kind of adventuring, kind of, I don't know, like also a little bit chossy rock and whatever. <laughs> so we came there with Ben. You and found it Ben. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we came there and uh, there was this, this resolution wall and we just like, yeah started climbing it, you know, ground up with a border latch in three days and and our goal was to to see if it's possible to free, you know. I knew at the time it was ninety nine percent already free climbed. Right. Yeah. So it was just still ten meters or something missing. Well, it, had, you know? it had that strange yeah, yeah, yeah. ice tool ascent. And so we we climbed up the thing and we realized okay it's it's possible, you know, and then always important for me is the the style, how I'm doing things, you know, and I think Nowadays, this changed a lot in the in the community that I don't know people or climbers are not focusing so much anymore about the style of an of a climb of an mm-hmm. ascent, you know. And for me, like even if it's easy to wrap in on in Black Canyon because you're just camping on the top, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think to to start the route ground up, it's it's something what. What comes out of our culture of climbing, you know? Right, right. You, you, you are approaching a mountain from the bottom to the top, you know? And I think in climbing, we should do the same, you know? Mm-hmm. So we came there, started climbing Lutheran Wall, and realized that it's possible to free climb it, you know? And then... Uh, so wait, wait, I have a question. Yeah. Did you climb anything else? No, we just came there and just started right on Lutheran Wall. <laughs> because, um, I don't know, we were just like... Yeah, we were just yeah, still on the hardest yeah, yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> and, and then... Cynic cruise. Yeah, whatever. Actually, I did it this okay, time. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And then we arrived on the top, at the top, and we, yeah, I was thinking about the, the, the route, and I thought, I think it's possible to do it in, in one day without hauling and everything. So we went out of the park because it started to snow a little bit. So we came back a few days later, and um, yeah, we hiked down the gully, the cruise gully, and and we started climbing and uh, my friend Ben uh, said to me that he will just like jug and support me mm-hmm. in doing the free ascent so I climbed every pitch first go except for the crux pitch I had a, a second go mm-hmm. and yeah and I graded at that time I graded the route 530 plus but now I think it's a little bit downgraded because mm-hmm. I remember doing a sideways dyno 
on the crux, uh, like end of the crux pitch. And right. I think now I saw the movie of Hayden. Yeah. Now they are doing a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. there's a. It's actually even. It's still a far move, but mm. they. Yeah, I had. It was kind of a sideways all-out liner. Right. Yeah. Right. But you know, in any case, I'm. I was really super happy about doing doing it. You know. Uh huh. And um, yeah, and I was always wondering. Why, why nobody of the climbers from here, you know, Boulder is not far, Rifle is here, you know, Carbondel is here, you know, why they don't went there to do it? Because this was kind of a, a pretty obvious present, you know? Right, right, right. And actually, I, until now, I don't know why, you know, I, I know was why. the first. I know. Why. I don't know why. I do. Oh, really? Why? Yeah. Well, because you have a, a place like the Black Canyon and you brought those ethics with you, the ground up idea, because that's, that's your style. You know, most places you go. Yeah. But, you know, the, the Black Canyon's always had this very traditional feel to it in terms of that style. And, but, but, but I think even going back to the idea of working roots at all, whether you do it ground up yeah. or not, being a little bit bad. And so I think sometimes with areas like that, they get a little bit stuck. Okay. You know what I mean? And I know what you mean, yeah. Everybody who shows up there is, is very steeped, which is the word I'd use, in this tradition, and they don't necessarily want to break the rules. And, oh, I got you. And I'm, and I'm saying, like, not as far as going down in, like, rap bolting or anything, because yeah. that's, that's way out there, but although it's been done. Um, but even, you know, being held back in terms of working roots really hard. Uh-huh. Because they're, yeah. you know, so I think that's pretty much probably mm. part of the problem. And, and you need someone like yourself who's not necessarily got all that yeah. in their head yeah. to, to sometimes, some, and, and it might have just gotten overlooked yeah. in a sense too. Um, but was, it's an aid climb. You yeah, know, people yeah. thought of it as an aid climb and uh, you didn't necessarily. No, no, we, we, we actually, we started the climb with quick throws and five, and five camelots, you know? Okay. Yeah. Because we knew, for us, it was kind. It, it was a free climb, but just ten meters missing, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I knew that it is ten meters. I think it's not. It's not a four, you know. So right. it was okay to go with quick throws and five camps, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, it was just this kind of. And this is a point. Often in climbing alpinism, mm-hmm. you know, it's not. It's. It's not often about how hard you can climb, how f- strong you are, how mentally fit you are. It's often about how you approach a project, you know? Sure. Yeah. It was, a, it's always, it was the same with my free solo climbs, you know? This is, it's, first of all, it's about finding the right moment, but then it's just like the difference to our forerunners is maybe how we approach the mm-hmm. project, you know? Mm-hmm. How people approach now Serratore and Patagonia is so different to 20 years ago. I would not say that climbers now who are going to Patagonia are necessarily much stronger or fitter, you know? But just the approach is different. Mm-hmm. And this different approach gives us, I don't know, more, more space to, to increase the level of our climbs and to, to put our sport a little bit forward. Yeah, that, and I, I often frame it as vision, yeah. as this idea of, of advancing the possibilities and yeah. it often takes, you know, and I just, I always go back to this, but it often takes somebody from a different, at least slightly different climbing culture or place, yeah. you know, the way the Hubers went to El Cap. And even though El Cap had been freed, like people were still kind of milling yeah, and yeah. waiting. And then those guys showed up and, you know, with yeah. an attitude like that of, well, let's just go up there and see, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and they broke the mold. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in, in the Black Canyon, 
you know, Josh has often been that guy a little bit too. Yeah. Um, but he also knows to kind of respect. And that's kind of what it comes down to is like, you, you, how far are you going to, uh, you know, to respect sort of yeah. whatever you think that the ethics are. But, um, but yeah, but I mean, it, that, that's a great style to walk in there with. And yeah, I think people nice, you know? at the time, the people in the know, you know, everybody gave you that nod of like, well, that was really well done. Yeah. yeah. Um, because it is, I mean, the, the, the crux pitches is, is 200 feet from the rim. Like, yeah, yeah sure. It, it would be very, <laughs> and actually most of the ascents since then, I can't say all of them, but the most of them I know of, you know, involve a lot of fixed rope rehearsal yeah, yeah. first yeah, from yeah. the top. But you know, in the end, you know, mm -hmm. every, you know, I'm not saying that that the style I like should be the main style, you know? Okay. Everybody can yeah. can do what he wants, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just, I think, you should... What's, what's really important in climbing and alpinism is that you just, like, tell how you did it, you sure. know? So, as soon as you tell it, it's fine, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then everybody can, can change his style somehow, you know? Mm -hmm. We are... You know the professional climbers or the famous, more famous climbers are not the the godfathers of of the ethic. You know, <laughs> right, right. yeah, yeah. So. I know, but they, yeah, kind of. You know what I mean? In the like, past, anyway, it sort of yeah, but, like that. But now it's kind of flattened out. I think yeah. you know, in the end, and also as older we are getting, you know, mm -hmm. we realize that it's you know this kind of small things. You know, it's not the most important. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> absolutely. So, um, well, anyway. Uh, that was actually kind of the first time that I heard who you were. Yeah, because yeah. again, being friends with Hayden. And what year did you do that? It was two eleven. Okay. So, yeah. Um, and you just actually went there and put up another new route. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It was it was different this time, you know, yeah. because my friend Much uh, Mayo from Innsbruck. Uh, I always told him that it's a really nice place. You know, it's it's kind of the same rock I have in my valley at home, you know? Okay. And it's this kind of wild area which reminds me of the Dolomites and just like the not crowded areas in the Alps. So I said to him, we should, we should come back, you know? And uh, I heard there's a new guidebook and everything. And we just like came this season with no main, like with no main goal, you know? Sure. We just like, we're, we had everything with us, bought the latch uh, and we came here and we were just, arrived in Denver, we bought the new guidebook, you know, and we had a look and we decided what to do. But then it, we realized that between the, the old guidebook and the new guidebook, it happened so much in the black, you know, mm -hmm. like, I don't know this guy, Jonathan Schäfer or mm -hmm. also Josh Watton and all the other guys in the day have put up so many new routes, you know. Mm -hmm. And so at the beginning we were, we went to Indian Creek because it was snowing in the black, <laughs> but, and we didn't really had a plan what we want to do, you know. And then we came there, we checked some, some, some routes in the guidebook and we were looking for some eight routes to free climb and whatever. And I realized that like the, um, the ethic of bolting in the black is super strict. And I think for me as a European climber, it's really important to respect that. Mm -hmm. So for sure, it's even if you are, and this is the only thing, how you drill bolts is by hand in the black. But even doing that, I think it's, it's not like, yeah, the thing you should do as a foreign climber. You know? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. We, yeah. we had some, some, some aid routes to do, but then we looked to the topo and we saw for sure we have to put many bolts, you know, mm -hmm. and sometimes I have the feeling that, uh, it's not, it's not worth to, to search for something hard to free climb and to, and use adding many bolts 
to do so, you know? Right. So in the end, I think some routes, they should just stay how they are, you know? Sure. And so we came there, we climbed the, finally, the Sandy Cruise, which was awesome. Cool. Like the third pitch was so cool, you know, the 510, <laughs> right. the long 60 meters, so 510 pitch. And then we, we just had a look to the guide and we said, we just make a rest day and the next day we take our hammer, some pitons, our gear, we go down and we try to open a new route on the um, diagonal wheel okay. patras. Because we saw in the guidebook there is some space between the, the first route there, the diagonal wall, I think, uh -huh. and the pathfinder on the right side. Okay. And we were just like going down. And I think for me, it was really, yeah, a, a nice project because going down to the Black Canyon, opening a route ground up in one day and having the, yeah, the, also the luck, you know, to find mm -hmm. the line and to, to arrive to the rim. It's cool, you know. Yeah. And so we did. We we started climbing. We when we have been on the base of the diagonal wheel patras, we were really not like how do you say enthusiastic because right. the, the rock looked really bad, you know. Yeah. It was it was steeper as it, as we thought, and so but we just started climbing, and both of us, Muk and me, we we knew uh, we would just check out some pitches, and anyway we would come down, you know. Mm -hmm. And then we just we climbed the first pitch, second pitch, third pitch, and then realized oh. It, it's cool, you know, and it's a logical line we are on and mm -hmm. let's keep going. And then, yeah, we, 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 after 11 hours, we were on top and we opened this, this route and which we named Mango Tango and we created it, yeah, 511 plus. Cool. And there was one, yeah, it, it was one pitch which was really scary. Yeah. Uh, of so, yeah, of so falling there was, was no option, you know, okay. at all. So it was, I think, the third pitch, yeah. Okay. But yeah, so we gave 511 plus and the RX. Sure. And yeah, and you know, I think it's, it's, it's nothing major what we've done there, you know, but just like now coming two times to the black, first of all, doing the Houston running free for the first mm -hmm. time and now opening a new route. It's kind of a nice package, but yeah, what <laughs> I, good, what I have, you know. It's a good resume. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> yeah. And it was really nice because you didn't bother doing maiden voyage or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You didn't no, have to work your way through yeah, all that yeah. garbage and then, anyway. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that, that was our trip to the black. And then we left the black because we went to God's Creek for smoking or rifle because it was getting really hot. Yeah, and you and know, he, and you he wanted know, to see something else, you know. You know when Sam told me that yesterday, he said, "Yeah, they went to God's Craig," and I went, oh, "It's Tixie." Oh yeah, <laughs> oh we had so many, you know. We were like, Dude. but we had fun. We we did yeah. this 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 certain B there, the full facial. Yeah, it's amazing. So it's good. so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, but it was so funny. I'm like, oh no, it's tick season, and tick season is yeah, serious yeah. there. Yeah, no, no, we, we came like up, you know, my friend said to me, 20, you have 30, a tick 40. here. And I said, oh yeah, I have one here. And then, oh here and here and here and here. <laughs> and then we were staying naked there, yeah. you know, looking for ticks. And there were two climbers higher up looking at us. What are those guys yeah. doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, it's bad, right? It, yeah. it, and then it just goes away in like uh, another couple weeks. Yeah, they, they said it's just gone. a few weeks. No? Yeah, and then, yeah. yeah, so anyway, it was funny when he told me that because I've had the same experience. I put up. I went to put up a route there yeah, in yeah. April and, uh, yeah, I mean, 60 ticks, maybe yeah, 70 yeah, yeah, on yeah. me. It was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But it, and it's really nice to, to see the, the climbers in the black, like getting psyched of this adventurous side of climbing, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, actually we don't have, we don't have that in Europe, you know, if it's, if we would have the black Canyon in Europe, 
you won't see like two girls climbing together a route there you know right you know what i mean like uh -huh. this kind of tread climbing on Chelsea rock and on this this like steep walls of the black canyon this is something really unique i think and uh yeah no for me like and i'm sure it's not the last time i was coming here good and yeah good good it's just no i, I like that that's kind of why i wanted to open with that we just spent we spent 20 minutes on it but yeah it's it's uh it's cool i was like all right you know because I've taken friends there, uh, European friends, and, and uh, some people love it and other people, you know, it's, yeah. it's terrifying and, and it's not great. But um, but we around here, I mean, we're close by, so we totally love it. Um, and I had a question here about like kind of those projects that inspire you, but, but I think you kind of covered that in terms of what you said about the black. I mean... Um, and then you climb the Dolomites and things like that. Yeah. So the adventure and, and less people and... Yeah, and, actually, uh, yeah, yeah, actually it was, you know, for me, like when I was a kid, you know, I was actually, I was starting as a, as a mountaineer. I, I grew up in a family with, uh, yeah, three brothers, one sister, you know, and we just like, we had like, we, we grew up on a farm, you know, we had these three main things like the, the farming, the mountains, and also the music because my mom was really into music. We all had learned an instrument or whatever so but at the beginning it was all about just going to the mountains you know and i was climb starting climbing i was actually starting climbing with with 12 years old but then i stopped and actually starting climbing i would say i did with 16 you know mm -hmm. and it was just like kind of a natural development personal development like I wanted just to go a little bit more extreme to the mountains and that was the climbing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But at the beginning it was all about mountaineering and not climbing. So mountaineering and then I realized I wanted to do some hard routes in the Dolomites and I realized that my level is not good enough. So I focused more on sport climbing and I did all, yeah, at that time also the, the hard multi-beach routes, also the many solo climbs, you know, and, but now I have the feeling that, yeah, over the last years, I was coming back a little bit again to this alpinism thing, you know, mountains, high mountains, and yeah. So f actually for me now, it's really hard to, I can't decide if people ask me, are you an alpinist or a climber, you know, I, mm -hmm. I have to say both, you know, because it's just like, for me, it's like together. Yeah. And, you know, in this, in, I think about the U.S. anyway, and, and, and in climbing in general, but I, my experience is here. Uh, with people, they are kind of specialists. Is that common uh, kind of European or maybe Austrian style is to be somebody that is is good at everything or like, you know, these awesome rock climbers that can uh, go into the mountains and, and vice versa? Or is it sort of rare there too? Because it feels a little rare here. Like it's, you're kind of one of the other. No, it's also rare in Austria. Okay. You know? I mean, like we have our friend Hayden, who's yeah. like the, that guy, and you're exactly. kind of that guy. Yeah, but, I was, yeah. maybe the same, no? Okay. And uh, But actually, I think nowadays, you know, in climbing, it's, it's more about the specific disciplines, you know? And mm -hmm. for sure, if you want to be really strong in one discipline, you have to focus on that because the level is everywhere so high, you know? Mm -hmm. But actually for me, just to follow one discipline was always something what I a little bit boring to me, you know. Sure. I, I like sport climbing a lot, but I like ice climbing too. I like mountaineering, skiing, whatever, you mm -hmm. know. I just for me, it's just I try to maintain 
yeah, kind of a high level in all disciplines. And yeah, I just like do what I what I'm up to, you know. Right. And uh, yeah, for this spring, for example, I was focusing a little bit more on climbing, sport climbing, because I decided only to do one expedition for this year. Over the last years, I always did two high altitude expeditions, which was a lot, you know, and getting too much <laughs> right. of the feeling. Mm -hmm. And but it's. On expedition, I miss the climbing. When I'm on this program, I miss the expedition. So okay. it's kind of right, right. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But it's there are just a handful of climbers in 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 Austria where I would say they are really, really strong all around okay. climbers. It just takes time. Yeah, know? I mean, it, just it takes, takes time, time, and it yeah. it depends how you grew up, you know. Mm -hmm. So for me, like going to the mountains is so natural, you know. Sure. Yeah, because I was doing as a kid, like every weekend, you know. Yeah with our parents and my brothers and uh, yeah. yeah in the end it's every discipline has its right to be there yeah end. so I'm gonna come back to the alpinism um, and I want to step back to uh, the soloing a little bit you you just kind of mentioned that it was something that you were maybe currently or into I'll ask you a little bit about that too the the actual first time I ever heard your name was when I think a lot of people in the world yeah. did when you uh, free sold the fish in English, which is terrible sounding, but in yeah. Italian, it's... It's pesce, you know? Yeah, pesce, the yeah. fish, yeah. And on the marmalata, which is, uh, I don't know, it's like, what, 7C, 7C plus? Uh, it's a, no, it's a little bit, it's 7B plus. Okay. But... 12C, anyway. Yeah, yeah, here in the States. Big root, um, and, you know, that, like I said, it, it, it puts you on a world stage, I yeah. think. Yeah, uh, like, I mean, was it that sudden, in a sense? You know, at at that time, our solo climbing for me was not that special. In, okay. You know, because I was were doing, you doing a lot of it? yeah, yeah, I was okay. doing a lot. You know, so it's not just, like you just woke up. No, 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 no. Okay, okay. Actually, my first route in Mamrata in solo, I did two years before in two thousand five. Okay. Then I did a big one in two thousand six, Tempi mm -hmm. Modelli, which is really a super classic one. Mm -hmm. And it, this the the solo of Peja was just like kind of a, yeah a logical step, you know, mm -hmm. and. Um, like for me, the thing was that for me, the the problem or the um, the harder thing was not the climb itself, finding the right moment, being like psyched for it, feeling feeling great, you know. For me, what was really hard was coming back home after a solo climb. Sure. Because in it's different to Europe, you know, and different to America. In Europe, if you're doing crazy solos, you know, you are the scene is not building up this kind of heroes, you know? Okay. It's more like, this guy is crazy, you know? Sure. And you don't want to be the crazy guy. <laughs> so, or at least right. for me, you know? Right. So, that was the reason why I always tried to see myself not as a free solo climber, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I kept this discipline super, super low, you know? And now, 10 years after I did fish on Mamorada... Yeah, it's 10 years yeah, this year, yeah. Yeah, I have to say that until now, for me, like this is, it's, it's crazy, you know, and those people who have done the route, they will say this guy was suicide, suiciding mm -hmm. himself or right, whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it was not at that time, you know, this was something, this was a dream I had, you know, and yeah. And over the years I did, I would say also after Beja, you know, I did, I would say I did six or seven, like really hot solo mm -hmm. climbs mm -hmm. in the Alps. And my last one I did actually last year, I did a project in Dolomite solo climbing and paragliding in between. Like I did three walls okay. solo climbing and with the paraglider in between. And actually I hadn't, I have until now, I, the project was not 
published, mm -hmm. but I think we will do it next next weeks because there is a short movie coming out. Okay. And uh, so still, still now, you know, sort of I can do still solos, you know, but it's just as you're getting older, the moments where you feel it's the right moment, mm -hmm. they are getting less. Okay. Because because the. Um, there are so many more people now around your around myself, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's a way harder to find the moment where you are alone mm -hmm. and just go, you know. And in the end, you know, I'm really happy that I didn't brought myself under pressure with sort of climbing because sure. it yeah, for me, I can't say to you if there's coming up something in the future, I don't know it, you know. Sure. If there's some if I have the feeling, you know, I go. Right. And I did it in two eleven, I did one in 212 I did one in 214 you know mm -hmm. 215 so but yeah I think it's just really important that you see it as a unique discipline as something what is really rare and as soon like except uh, for me you know as soon as it's becoming routine I think it's getting dangerous you okay know? so because it's if you have done a hard solo it's easy to do another one two days later, you know, because you are in that kind of mood, you know, mm -hmm. and you are feeling really safe and you, yeah, it's, it's, it's this kind of power you have, you know, at that moment. But after I did a solo, I always stopped, you know, I always said to myself, okay, this was it for that year, you know. Right, right. Yeah. And I think also with high altitude, you know, the thing is, the more often you go, there is always risk, you know, but the more often you go, Tomorrow, often there is the chance that you don't coming back, you know. Sure. So I think it's it's I think in risky disciplines of climbing and mountaineering, I think the the key to get all this to to focus on quality and not on quantity. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the that's the point to keep in mind a little bit. And if you follow that, I think it's cool to 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 have that. Because everybody of us wants to get old, you know. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the most important thing. Sure. Yeah. So you're a, a, you know, someone who's a big root climber, whether it's high altitude or, you know, you you seem to be one of those folks who's going from one kind of like inspiring project yeah. to another. In terms of the high altitude stuff, um, I don't really, I'm not really super familiar with your resume on that end of things. What kind of climbing are you looking for when you get in to the bigger mountain yeah. stuff these days? Like what is the, what is the mode? What looks like a good expedition to you uh, when you get into that? And maybe an example from what, what you've done. Yeah. No, for me, like high altitude climbing is for me, Going on expedition first of all with good friends, you know, having a great time at base camp. I'm always saying, coming home from an expedition, if you can think back of a fun, great time in base camp, mm -hmm. it's already successful, you okay, know. Okay. So, but like climbing wise, I'm focusing on uh, technical routes on six, seven thousand meter peaks. Mm -hmm. So, I was in 2013. I was climbing this uh, Kunyankish East. In, uh, in Pakistan mm -hmm. for the first time. It was like a first stand of the, of the summit. And also we did this really huge southwest phase. And this was kind of my, I was a little bit in higher altitude before, but this was kind of my first real success on a big high altitude expedition. And over the last years, I was just following this idea of, of finding like unclimbed walls on six, seven thousand meter peaks. Mm -hmm. And, Actually, now this fall, I'm going back to Annapurna 3, where we tried the Southeast Ridge last year, last spring. 
we are coming back this fall to have another go uh, with David Lama and Alex Blümel, two friends of mine from, from, from Austria. It's just so different, different to like just going out climbing. It's an expedition is, it's just so many more influences you have, you have to work on and, uh, But in the end, you know, it's always a success of a team. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and it's really nice to play with this kind of the, of the high altitude, which is which is the limited factor mm -hmm. you have, you know, and you have to deal with it. And this is something what what inspires me. And uh, for me, like in high altitude, it feels much easier to climb technical terrain than just like. Um, Digging through deep snow, you know, this mm -hmm. digging through deep snow right. felt feeling much harder than climbing, you know. Sure. And <coughs> so in the end, you know, I'm happy if I can find like cool projects on 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 seven thousand meter peaks, also six thousand meter peaks. And but it's not so easy anymore to find them because like we have been on Mashabrum in 2014 in Pakistan on a north northwest face, a northeast face, which was. It's a really cool project, but which is so dangerous, you know, mm -hmm. and you have to take so much risk just to, to get to the base of the wall, you sure. know, and uh, I think it's, you know, we have to take risk doing like technical routes on high mountains, but I think it must be in this kind of corridor, you know, where it's acceptable. Uh -huh. So if it's above, you know, I think... It's not worth it, you know. Sure. So because there are still so many projects out there, and you can just choose, you know. And yeah, I think in the end, uh, that's the way to to make make yourself happy, you know, next, on an expedition. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, when you, we were talking about uh, the, the fish, how you didn't want to come home, and everyone saying it'd be the crazy guy. Yeah. And actually, you know, I was thinking about the the video I watched of you a year later, I think like uh, uh talking about it i think it was maybe one year afterwards so you're like sitting oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like really young you know yeah, yeah. super young and that was the thing like sitting across it's from the most right it's the most honest movie i think the most honest movie on the web i have you know? okay because good. it's so super honest you right. know and it's what i'm saying there you know it's just like how it is there is no fake you know nothing and mm -hmm. and you all if you see this movie you also see that that like solo climbing it's it's a dream a passion of this guy and it's not something what he's doing to become famous you know sure yeah yeah and i have wanted to say this before you know like after the fish solo i had a hard time you know because um i was i became famous within a night you know more mm -hmm. or less and, yeah well uh, yeah it, it, like looking at you I mean, just the, the different, I mean, 10 years ago, yeah. like that kid in that video and yeah. the guy sitting here, I mean, it's such a, such an evolution. Yeah. 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 No, I changed, I changed, you know, and I, and actually I was, I was lucky and I'm happy now that, that after the fish, I, I didn't get any big contracts from, from, from companies, you know? Sure. So I was still like doing my, my exams, becoming a teacher for maths and sports, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, this allowed me to to grow naturally and to kind of get used to this professional climbing, which is not that easy as it looks like, you know? Well, it's funny because in the video you actually say, no, I'm not uh, yeah, going to be a professional. At, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At 2000, after the fish, I always said, you know, I don't want to earn money with climbing, you right, know? Right, right. But then it just, like the door opened, you know, mm -hmm. and I went through. I yeah. could have, 
gone not, you know. But yeah. I did it because I realized, okay, maybe it's nice and I can just climb and earn money and, you know. So it changed myself, you know. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm thinking that I'm still like kind of the old guy I was, you know. I'm, for me, like the authenticity is the most important thing sure. you have, you need to have and you have, you have to keep it, you know. And uh, yeah, in the end, I, now I'm here where I never wanted to be, you know, mm -hmm. but it's well, like that, you know, and you know, life is still good and I'm happy sure, climbing, sure. you know, and yeah. traveling around and well, I think, and it, actually it's nice. I wrote a, I wrote a book. Okay. So I, over the last few years, I wrote a book. It's called South Face. It's coming out this fall. Okay. Yeah. Just in German, a... just in German for now, but okay. I think Hopefully for next year we translate it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like writing a lot. Good. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that's interesting about what you said in that video and why it's like not necessarily, you know, some sort of like, you said you were never going to be a pro and now you are, is, you know, what you implied is I think what a lot of people worry about, not just the folks who are becoming pros, but even us watching, like, do you have to, you know, will you have to be obligated to outdo yourself? if you're you know if you're a professional climber because that seemed like the way you said it was your concern was like well you know if you're doing if you're going to go do some other risky thing because you have some sort of contract or you have yeah. some sort of then it's and this is something yeah. what i didn't want it to, right. to, to and do right and i think you know, anybody i've talked to yeah who climb risky things whether they're free solo or not uh you know talk about that concern like is the camera on am i going to do i mean yeah. skiers i know talk about extreme skiers like yeah. whether or not they do things for the camera that they, yeah, they don't yeah. normally do so i mean i see that concern but um one other question i had and you mentioned it in there too is coming back and not just the community looking at you but you talked about a little bit about your friends your climbing friends and your your family and your mother and yeah. and specifically you know rolling their eyes or being worried or or being upset with you and being angry. Yeah, yeah, with you. yeah, yeah. Um, where are those? How do you feel about that now? I mean, in terms of your family or in terms of the risk you're taking, because you know we all know. And 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 uh, before we started the podcast, we were talking a bit about Yuli Steck, who just passed. That the high altitude climbing is, you know, it may be maybe not as suddenly dangerous as free soloing, but it's it's a dangerous game up there. And you just mentioned it. Yeah, so. yeah. As an older guy, as this arc from that that kid who was who was who was on that video to now, like the uh, risk is it important to you that you climb at least stuff that's adventurous? And I just did the air quotes. Or how how are you dealing with the risk with yeah, your family, yeah. with your friends? First of all, you know, I think taking risk for for me, you know, like going on a climb and taking risk is something what actually I like it to do. You know. Okay. It depends, you know, if you know you're going on a climb and it's risky, I think it's okay, you know. The problem is if you're on a climb and it's just an easy, normal climb and it gets risky, that's another chapter, you know, that's mm -hmm. another topic. <laughs> so if I'm doing a solo, you know, I know I don't have, it's not allowed to make a mistake, you know. Right. And I'm sure about that. Otherwise, I would not do it. It's not the Russian roulette, you know. Right. And for my family at home, for my friends, it changed a lot because at the beginning it was, they were not sure about why is he doing that, you know? Mm. Does he want to get famous? Is there something, happened something in the childhood, you know? <laughs> Whatever, you know? I, but over the years, they realized that 
it's something what he likes to do and they trust me a lot also my mom you know trusts me a lot and there was one moment when I planned to do a solo climb in Dolomites and I came back and I told to my mom it was not the right moment mm -hmm. I came back and I couldn't do it you know and from that moment on she said she trusted me you know mm -hmm. because she knows that I can also go back you know without without um, without doing it you know sure and but you know in the end I think climbing and death you know and I, I realized it for myself because in 2015 on, on my expedition to Nilgiri South Face I lost my good friend Gary with whom I started climbing on the way down from the summit and if, if something happens to you like something like that you realize how close it is you know mm -hmm. the success in climbing and I mean in our expeditions or risky climbing and to death you know mm -hmm. and I think in the end you know going on a trip you, you sign kind of a contract you know and if I'm going on a trip to rifle for sport climbing there is a contract where you have the, the, the lines like you will have fun it's great there is good rock we'll make some you can climb some hard routes you will meet people you know and at the very end there will be the line but you can also die you know sure yeah but it's on the very end right if you go on expedition this line you can also die is higher up you know sure yeah it's just higher up and you have to to know that so in the end you know when when something happens you know like like now with Uli and uh, also with my friend Gary you realize that it's not it's not I mean part of the game is the wrong word you know mm -hmm. but it's just like if there is a cake about an expedition you know a small piece of it is that somebody can die you know mm -hmm. and if it if it comes it's for sure it's it's a big tragedy and it's really hard to come over it but I think it's just like something what is yeah what's there in our life you know mm -hmm. and I mean when I lost my friend Gary you know I it took me a few months you know to to feel again like how it is climbing you know and now I have the feeling that that the sadness of Nilgiri, you know, with every day I'm going out climbing again, I can, the cake of the sadness of Nilgiri mm -hmm. is getting smaller, you know, okay. because the good moments grow, right? you know, and, and it takes some years, you know, and, you know, it will always be there. There will be always moments where you, for example, when I'm going with my car, you know, and there is kind of a melancholic music, you know, mm -hmm. it can happen that I start crying, you know, mm -hmm. because it's there, you know, but, the cake with the good things about climbing, the meeting people, have fun, you know, and success and whatever, you know, it getting bigger than the cake of the sadness. And I think in the end, also now with Uli, you know, there is, it's a big loss for all of us, for the community, but he will never be forgotten. His dad will always be there, but I think we have to move on. And the more we move on, the more, we remember the good things of Uli's life in our mm -hmm. community mm -hmm. and and that's I think that's the only way how to overcome it and to see it right yeah and yeah you know for sure it's always hard for for your relatives for the family for the girlfriend if something happens like that because they are thinking uh, maybe Hansok he could be the, this guy you know so it's never easy but in the end I think it's just kind of natural and it's not stopping 
doing your passion, I think it's not the the way to to solve or to come sure. over it. You know, sure. In the end, it changes you. So every everything that happens in life, you know, if if you lose a friend or one of the community, it changes yourself. You know, but I think it's just important to go on and see the change in a positive way. Yeah, it would be never the same, mm-hmm. but but it's yeah, it is how it is in the end, and you have to to keep going. And I think it's really important to talk about that mm-hmm. for the community because um, in any case, you know, it can happen to every one of us, you know. Sure. And I think, yeah, like we, yeah, we. You mentioned Gary, this the 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 partner that died as being one of your early early partners. Do you have other other like mentors or anybody that you can point to in terms of your life as a climber? Was your I mean somebody in your family was your Actually, there was, yeah, like, I'm not the guy who has, like, these classic mentors, but sure. but there was one one guy called Reinhard Schiestl. Mm-hmm. He, he, was, he was a leading alpinist in the 80s, like, part of this Dolomite scene, and also he went to altitude with Reinhard Messer once on Annapurna. He was part of this community, Heinz Mariacher. You know Heinz Marika. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was part of this community. And he moved to Ötztal, to my home valley, to work as a teacher. And he started like the sport climbing there. Okay. Holding the first routes, you know, and whatever. And I always felt really somehow close to him. And uh, he, yeah, he built up this community in our valley. And um, I think he was, yeah, he was such a a great person, you know, not only like climbing wise, but also like as a person. Mm-hmm. But then in 1995, there was, he had a car accident and he died, you know. Okay. And this was kind of a big loss for our community. And I was really young, you know. And uh, at that time, I realized already, you know, that life is not, life is not, yeah, it can, it can be short, you know. Mm-hmm. And like Rani's life was really intense, you know, he... He did so many great things, you know, but his life was short, you know, but in the end, I think he had a, a good life, a short life, but a good life. He did so many cool things. And I think we all have to to use every day out, you know, and yeah, to just do what you, makes you happy. You have to have the feeling coming home from a day climbing that it's the right thing what you are doing, you know, mm-hmm. and if, if you have the feeling it's not the right thing, then you have to change something, you know. And uh, in the end, yeah, Ryan was one of, of those guys. And uh, yeah, but over the years, for sure, I met so many great persons in our community, like uh, Simon Antamat, the Swiss, the Swiss alpinist from Termat. I was with him on the expedition. Also Hayden Kennedy from Carbondale, you know. And uh, maybe I'm not the guy who is like really good or really open to connect with everyone who I met, who I meet, you know, mm-hmm. or I'm not the guy who is traveling to this place and contacting everyone I know there. But there are just a few people I met over the years uh, where I had the feeling that, yeah, I feel really close to them. And uh, yeah, also Steve House, you know, I met him a few times, and uh, yeah, it's really nice to to have those people there. And I think. Everyone, every climber in our community, everyone, even if he's climbing 5A or, or 6C, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, everyone inspires us, you know. But there are just maybe a handful of people which, for, for me, you know, 
inspires me more because I'm just feeling like more on the same path. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. So and this is this is the the good thing about climbing. And in the end, I think I think if you meet those people, you know, you realize easily or really fast that in the end, it's not about doing a hard route. You know, in the end, it's about about living the climbing culture together. You know, and uh, and the exchange we have like every day, like meeting the new people and uh, this sending hard projects or being successful in an expedition. This is something what I think grows out of this this plant of inspiring people around you. Mm -hmm. So in the end, I think for the young climbers, you have to first of all have fun what you are doing, get inspired by people climbers you like, and then just like keep it easy, and natural, and in the end. It comes out, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think there is not a uh, how do you say the recept when you make food. Uh, recipe. The recipe. There's not, yeah. the not one recipe. One recipe. No, right, it's right. it's just like every everybody can, yeah. And I think it's yeah, it's good to to have all many people around inspiring you. And uh, yeah, in the end, this is this is my life, and this is our life in climbing. Were you a kid who? when you started climbing or were getting into it more so did you have a sense of the history of it um around you and and, and yeah. not just uh where you lived but even a greater history of the climbing i think that's the that's what when i'm missing if i'm if i'm if i can speak a little bit about the nowadays community i'm seeing it you know mm -hmm. that's the thing what i'm missing a little bit when i see the young climbers nowadays that they are not that interested anymore in the tradition, in the history of climbing. When I was a, as a kid, for every Christmas, I, I got a book, you know, from my mom. And this was my, I wanted to have that as right. a present, you know, a right. book of Hermann Buhl, right. whatever, all those guys, you know. Sure. And I, I, I read those books not only one time, you know, I like many times, you know. And I was really fanatic in the history of climbing, you know. Mm -hmm. And you have to know the history of climbing to understand our culture of climbing mm -hmm. and our culture of climbing one example is for example that you approach a climb a mountain a wall a face from the bottom to the top if you know the history this is obvious you know if you don't know the history maybe it's not obvious anymore so and for the young for the young climbers even if it seems to be boring it's not boring to read an old book you know of an, of an alpinist or of a climber it's you know there are for sure books around who are like exaggerated like like superhero style mm -hmm. but in the end you know there's always something there what you can take out mm -hmm. and um, I think for me like we have this in climbing we have the the how we say the sp sport side the sp mm -hmm. sporty side sport side of climbing but we have also this cultural side of climbing and I think it's getting really interesting in the future how it will be with all those kids coming out of the gyms, you know, or just climbing in the gyms. The sports side will go much bigger, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really important that we don't lose the cultural aspect of mm -hmm. climbing because this is something what was growing over the years and I think we have to keep it. And with the influence of the, of the sport, of the climbing, we can... We can change it a little bit. The culture will always change, you know. Mm -hmm. But still, the the few things like approaching ground up, whatever, you know, like trying to avoid too many balls, 
whatever, you know, there are many kind of rules around. We have to keep them and just like give a little bit influence from the sports side. Sure. Of like no. not let it overwhelm. No, no. Yeah, right. It's just because like, for example, in Dolobites, we have so many walls without bolts, you know, mm -hmm. but we have also walls with bolts, you know, I think we just have to keep both. Right. And not just like avoid the boltless walls, but just like keep both. Mm -hmm. Because you know we keep we keep we keep it growing like the, the gyms, the sport climbing. It's really cool, you know, it, and it's really important. And also for myself, you know, I like it a lot. Mm -hmm. But you also have to keep the traditional things. But you know, if the young generation generation doesn't know about traditional things, maybe it disappears. Right. And I hope not. Right. You know, and the Black Canyon is something what is traditional. You right. Know? Right. And like I explained before, you know. I, as soon as I realized that it's really tricky to add bolts in the Black Canyon, I I respect that, you know, and I I change maybe my my attitude and my goal or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. But it's just keep it traditional climbing and you know you mentioned meeting all these different people and and finding these people on the same path as you. So you know some of these guys you mentioned are are of an older generation than you like steve's older than you are so what's it you know i keep thinking about this kid in that video you know his mind got blown by the year after the fish and all that and looking at you now like you also talked a lot about dreams you know yeah. living your dreams I, I, and a few things i saw with you like you know becoming a pro climber helped you sort of fulfill your dreams yeah. as a climber and and climbing the, the fish was a dream that you had that you fulfilled so what's it like that now you are kind of you are on the same path as some of these people that maybe you grew up admiring like uh i mean i don't know if you put yourself in the same shoes as a steve house or anything else but the fact that you can kind of like operate on that level uh what's it like thinking about that kid who, who you know grew up climbing with with uh in, in your valley at home if i if i see me now as a kid you know and i i would have this person hans mm -hmm. now in my valley you know uh this would have helped me a lot you know to to grow you know because when i was young in my valley the alpine climbing scene was really small you know mm -hmm. we were just the only guys doing it you know so what what is important for me now is um i over my career as a climber you know i had so many people around me who helped me who inspired me you know i have the feeling now i'm now 33 years old i'm still not too old you know but getting old you know and uh, and i think i have the feeling that it's also time for me now to give something back because i earned so much from the community and for me it's really important to start right at the place where i'm from you know so in the end i think you have always keep in mind that not everything was like obvious that it happened you know for sure everybody is is aware of his own luck somehow but many people helped me you know inspired me so i want to give something back to the community and this is this is what i want to do you know and um you know when i'm when i'm climbing when people are asking me about my solo climbs you know i'm not I don't want to answer, you know, with grades or facts or mm -hmm. times or whatever, you know. If I see, I, yeah, it was possible to inspire them a little bit, to believe on themselves, to, to have dreams, you know, try to realize them, you know. Don't think too much what other people are t talking about you or saying about you. If I can 
inspire them in this direction a little bit, it's already a lot what I can give back, you know. And uh, in the end, I think this is this is what we what we have to do and uh, to keep our community lively and uh, like healthy. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot for yeah, sitting down. Sure. I totally appreciate it. You're on a rest day from Rifle, <laughs> and uh, we just managed to get this thing worked out, and, and um, it's been fascinating and really enjoyable talking to you. So appreciate yeah, I hope, it, Hans. Uh, I hope the English is uh, was okay. Yeah. Not like, yeah. Sometimes some words were missing, but that's all right. Uh, it's all right. It's charming. Okay. Right <laughs> on. Thanks a lot, thanks. man. Ciao, guys. All right, folks, thanks for listening. Thanks for sitting down and thanks to Hans Org. He, like many of his European compatriots, his Austrian compatriots, had no idea what the Enormacast was, but he was game and I think it turned out great and I appreciate it. And folks, I want to apologize. I know it's been kind of, again, like a long string of dudes over here at the Enormacast, but as you know, I'm a bit of a mercenary. I just try to get what I get with this face-to-face thing, who's coming through, who I'm passing by. So the opportunities for the ladies coming on just haven't been working out in the last couple months. So bear with me. I'm always looking. I'm always trying to make it happen. And I've got a huge list of amazing women climbers I'd love to talk to. But we just have to figure out how to get face-to-face, and it's not always that easy. But I think it's worth it. I'm sticking with it. Five years, 131 episodes. Cara a cara. All right, folks. Hope you're having a great summer in the Northern Hemisphere anyway. Getting out there, climbing a ton, staying safe, not being stupid, and not being lazy. I think it's the laziness that gets a lot of people in the end. So don't be lazy on those few easy things you can do to head off most accidents. In other words, stay frosty out there and check your knot. your mind, be formless, shapeless, like water. Now you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend.